swept by the Mets, but all attention now turns to the trade deadline in the coming days. It's Monday's episode of Locked on Marlins, and of course, that means one thing. Sean Barrett is in the house. The UK Goats are here looking back on a Mets series, but also, more importantly, looking at the Kim Ang presser, the messaging coming out of that one, and what we expect the Marlins to do at the deadline tomorrow. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast, of course, with me, Peter Pratt. And it's the Monday episode. And boy, oh boy, we're recording this at 10 p.m. UK time. There has already been tons happening. So I'm just going to apologize right now. You may see my eyes divert to my phone through this episode. There's a reason for that. There's so much going on. So much going on right now in Major League Baseball. The Marlins have done nothing yet, but the market has been set for Richard Blyer, in my opinion, with a huge, huge trade with Josh Hader. Um, now a Padre. That caught one caught me off guard. We spoke about Hader in the offseason, in the preseason. I did think that there was an opportunity that the Brew Crew would look to move Hader. I'm surprised it's happening now. Anyway, I'm going off on a, on a segue already. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. And with Vroom... You can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you so you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to vroom.com and check out thousands of great cars. Delighted to welcome onto the show, as I've already teased out, Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT. It is the regular rotation on a Monday. Sean, how are we doing, brother? Yes, exciting times. As you said, it's a bit of a strange time as far as trying to record a live podcast (laughs) with news flashing everywhere and, and... we're probably liable to make some predictions that could very, very quickly and very lively go wrong. So uh, yep. let's let's see what happens over the next half an hour. No doubt about it. Like I said, the eyeballs could be at phones, but you know we'll see. It'd be funny if something dropped while we were on air, um, so to speak. We aren't actually streaming live, but nevertheless, it's a no. It's a one take wonder of a show. Uh, for those that have been listening for a long time, they will know that <laughs> by some of the mishaps that we have. Nevertheless, Sean, we need to. Look back on a Mets series um, that's happened uh, over the weekend. We also need to then, you know, mixed into that was looking ahead to the deadline. Kim Ang um, met the media on um, on Saturday, Saturday evening. Um, so there was a, a few sound bites out of that one, which we'll, we'll kind of dig into. And then clearly all eyes right now. It's the biggest show in town. It's the, the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which is tomorrow at 11 p.m. UK time, which is 6 p.m. Eastern time. So it's going to be a very, very fun evening for us, I think, as well. But let's look back to the Mets series. I have to call it out right now. I've already put it on Twitter. I was down visiting my dad, um, which meant that I didn't have the ability to watch as much baseball as normal. So what does that mean? I didn't really watch any of it. And frankly, I saw the uh, the box scores and didn't really even want to watch the highlights. That's how bad it got. I saw some clips. But, Sean, you had a few more innings than me, maybe not that many. But what was your main highlight? or takeaway, perhaps, from the Mets series? <laughs> That's a tough one, is it? <laughs> Favourite highlight? Probably that it's over. <laughs> yes. it, we, we, it's over and we can, we can forget about it. It was a, yeah. it was a series to forget. 
and ultimately it's you know the Marlins now four and ten in the last fourteen games, you know eight games back in the wild card. I think mm-hmm. we can start to sort of say that the season's turned. I mean it's not just the record. It's not just how far away they are, but it's a team, you know, the team that we're seeing day in, day out. I don't see any reason why to expect that there's any more hope now for, for a productive season. So I think that, I think the Mets series, in my mind, when I look back on this season, just before the trade deadline, that Mets series really was just an encapsulation of the season. Um, and and it's funny because, you, you know, you, the parts of the games I did watch, it was funny to see, as it always is against the Mets, sort of 70% Mets fans at the stadium. Um, At times it was rocking, but it was rocking because the Mets were (laughs) were winning. Um, So there were some positives, you know, Nidot come back back up, Mm -hmm. five innings, um, and, you know, it's nice to see the Marlins are going to need him for the rest of the season, especially if if some of the trades that potentially could happen do happen. So it's nice to see him up. He's, you know, he's had a pretty decent season, to be fair. Um, So that was the main positive for me, uh, and that just speaks to how little there was in the way of positives in that series. It was a tough series, wasn't it? I mean, when we you strip it away um, and you kind of go on box scores and try to kind of piece together the action and what's happened, like you said, Nick Nider back up, uh, corresponding move, Trevor Rogers um, is uh, is onto the the IL. Um, We'll wait and see on that. I have to say, I did see, I mean, the news broke on Friday. Sandy went out and pitched. I'm going to talk about Sandy shortly as well. Sandy went out and pitched. The Marlins got an early lead, three runs in the first. Miggy Rowe kind of getting one just on the on the foul line and um, three runs scored. Trevor Rogers, I'm telling you, was the biggest cheerleader in the dugout. He was absolutely pumped. He was giving the biggest high fives and the most rotation I've seen on a high five. Go back and check that out. The rotation that he was getting was sensational. So very interesting timing that Trevor Rogers to the IL for 15 days for back issues. Back didn't seem um, to be bothering him with those high fives, low fives, middle fives, however you want to call it. So my main takeaway, though, was, and and actually one other guy we have to talk about, LeBlanc is up, and LeBlanc dropped a bomb on Sunday as well, it seems. So nice for him, first career homer, I believe the day before he had had a double as well. So a couple of extra, extra base hits for him as well, Charles LeBlanc. I mean, if this continues, he's been hitting the AAA all year. Again, it's one of those, Sean, you just have to point to, you know, the approach, the Marlins approach here with like an Astadio and, you know, all these guys that they feel afraid to go with like a Charles LeBlanc because they got to add him to the 40 man and maybe they have to DFA him, someone's going to claim him. But at some point, the Marlins just have to get the best players on the field rather than worrying about the future. I mean, who knows? LeBlanc, that maybe his only ever hit, you know, or you know, his last hit for the Marlins. Who knows? But nevertheless, it's great to see these guys come up from AAA, make an impact straight away, and does leave you scratching your head slightly, thinking, you know, what's been going on this year with these kind of, you know, backup dudes and just persisting with Astadio May. What was your take on that one? I think it's interesting. I think sometimes you see other teams bring up these unheralded guys, and all of a sudden you've got the Cardinals are always the worst for this. You know, they bring up these unheralded guys that come from nowhere, mm. and they're making all star games. I'm not saying that that's what LeBlanc's going to be doing, but no. would you be surprised with the situation with BA at the moment? If LeBlanc was a starting third baseman for the Marlins next year, 
I wouldn't be overly surprised. I don't think that's necessarily because he's he's absolutely raking and he deserves it, or whether it's a case of the Marlins just need you know guys in the lineup. But mm. he's got he's got a chance now. He's got two months to, to show whether or not he's a major league player. Mm. Um, and I don't think BA is going to be coming back anytime soon. And if he does, I don't think he's going to be getting full time reps. You know, BA is at that interesting stage now where I think it's the last year of arbitration next year. It's going to be a big number for a player that maybe you don't trust so much anymore, similar to sort of what Aggie is going to be in the case of. They could both realistically be non-tendered next year. You just, you don't know. So these next two months for LeBlanc are huge. He could come out, if he can hit well and, and in an in a extended period of time, he's got a chance. And, and for a guy that's, you know, come out of relatively nowhere, you know, just battled in the minors all these years, he's a little bit older, you know, mm-hmm. This, this is his dream opportunity, you know. He's been screaming for this opportunity, these reps at the major league level, his whole career, and now he's got them. Let's see what he does with them. Really good point what you made there about the fact that other teams, they seem to just throw up these guys, AAA guys, that may be performing. There's a need. It's not like the depth guys, you know, the, the Astadios, the Billy Hamiltons, you know, whatever, that are basically there. They're kind of at the back end of their major league careers, and you add them. This is a different situation. These are guys that have no service time at all, but are, are performing at the level. Other clubs, I think back to last year, the Cubs, they completely gutted the team. Next thing is, there was a load of AAA guys up, and a few of them started to absolutely dominate. And everyone's like, wow, okay, here we go. Do you remember Frank Schwindel going bananas in the second half of last year? No one had ever heard of Frank Frank Schwindel. I'm not sure anyone's heard about him since. Nevertheless, Charles LeBlanc. I like the fact he's going to get a chance. As you've said, BA with a shoulder. We don't know what the prognosis there is. I think John Birdie's working his way back. So we'll wait and see like, you know, what's going to come. I just wanted to make one other point or observation or highlight, actually. It, it sits in my highlights, to be honest with you. And it highlights, again, with an exclamation point, the fact that the Marlins completely botched up this center field situation. And what highlighted that was Starling Marte on the Friday game. Starling Marte played out of his mind on Friday. I think he was a triple shy of the cycle, if I recall, or something. So it was, you know, three three hit day for Marte, including a home run off Sandy Alcantara. And when I think back, and we, there's been so much discourse on this, on this topic in general, but when I think back to what the Marlins did here, I just don't understand. I don't think there was a plan. There was never a plan how to address center field. They already went and acquired Starling Marte with a stunning deal. They they got him. The, the trade was brilliant. They executed that perfectly. Caleb Smith, it was clear for the Marlins could see he was, you know, he was trending the wrong way. I think they gave up Humberto Mejia as well. Trade was brilliant. Starling Marte was brilliant for the Marlins. Then they started haggling about the money, you know, this and this, and how many years and all this type of thing. Then you then look look ahead and go, well, what center fielders are actually available? None. Actually, what we're going to go and do is give that money that Starling Marte wanted. We're going to give it to Avicel Garcia instead because we think he might be able to play center and he might be able to hit, 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 30, hit 30 home runs a year. So this, again, was another exclamation point on that. The Marlins completely botched this situation. All they had to do was very easy. Hashtag pay Marte. They didn't. They traded for Lozado. 
He's back tonight, by the way, um, Jesus Lozado. So making his uh, return, which is great to see. And I, I do not knock the trade. Marte, rental for Lozado. I've never knocked that trade. But overall, they needed to pay Marte. They didn't. And we continue to be, what, we're, we're a year on now, effectively. And we're probably a lot worse off than, than we were for making that deal. So nevertheless, um, uh, sorry, Sean. Actually, before I do the ad, any final comments on Starling Marte? Yeah, just quickly. So it was a double away from the cycle. Okay, I think, there you go. I think this is a situation where we will be talking about this for years to come. It's been a year already mm-hmm. because I think that this that botched deal, not just the Marte losing Marte, but the Ave deal after that as well, which was yep. reasonably comparable money. We're going to see those two contracts side by side for the next three, four years, mm-hmm. and it's never going to look any better. If the Marlins don't do any real winning in the sandy window, that is what that is. chapter one of the reasons why, in my book. I completely agree. I, I just, and I, I just, I'm dumbstruck with the, the situation that I don't understand what the plan was. The plan, there is no plan. It was, we're not going to sign him. We're not going to give him this deal. We're going to trade him. And then we're just going to try and acquire Brian Reynolds. And okay, well, the Pirates are being a bit stubborn now and whatever. Of course they're going to be stubborn. Can't have that plan. Anyway, let's get into the first ad, and then we'll get some um, some surprises from that Met series too. Um, so, guys, uh, this episode it's brought to you, of course, by our good good friends over at LinkedIn and LinkedIn Jobs. Who's hiring? Who's got a small business? If you do, then LinkedIn Jobs is definitely for you. And you need the right people, right? You need to recruit the right people so your business is firing on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs they make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster, and maybe more importantly, particularly for small businesses, for free. All you got to do is create your job post in minutes, get all the details in there, and that gets you access to 810 million people. It's the largest professional network out there. You've got to add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Spread the word you're hiring so your network and others can see and help you find the right people to hire. They've got tons of tools to help you, screening questions, and basically they make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. There's no competition for LinkedIn jobs. There isn't. So LinkedIn jobs, they help you find candidates you want to talk to faster. You've got access to nearly 40 million job seekers every week via LinkedIn. Absolutely insane numbers. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb to post your job. Yep, for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Sean Barrett, biggest surprise that you took away from that Met series? I think one of the biggest surprises or one of the bigger uh, sort of conversational pieces around you know the Marlins fanship was the fact that the Marlins started Pablo. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of discussion over the last week and it will continue up until the deadline. Are the Marlins going to trade Pablo, I think? I don't think now is the best time for it personally, but I think there's certainly... There are teams out there that are getting desperate. I think we've seen a few moves already. Like you said, you know the, the, the dominoes are falling. Uh, and there is going to be a team or, or two out there that might start squabbling around for that last one. I think the Cardinals and the Blue Jays at the moment are the two teams probably most in need of extra pitching. Um, whether or not they've got the prospect capital deserving of Pablo. Um, but the fact that they threw him out there, if they are in any way looking to trade him, I think... They should have sat him. They should have, or at least, moved that start back a few few days past the deadline, um, because 
you don't want to go out there and even a small injury, you know, nothing nothing major, but something that just leaves him off a couple of starts is going to take that value off a team that look at him, not necessarily as a rental because he's got that time, but, you know, these are the teams that are trying to compete this year and they want a fully healthy arm. So it was strange to see them discussing the idea of trading him and then throwing him out there a couple of days before. As it was, wasn't a great start. I don't think that affects it really too badly because, mm. you know, he's a human being, we forget that sometimes. He's had all, all week, he's been thinking, am I going to wake up in a different city, pitching for a different team tomorrow, to then have to go out there and play the Mets? You know, it's it was mm. a tough situation for him. Tough. Uh, and it, it's funny, right? I mean, this this uh, dialogue, this thread, was driven by Craig Mish. He's the one calling it out uh, as well. And listen, Craig's plugged into it. He's got a really great baseball mind, as we all know. Um, and we all absolutely love Craig Mish and his opinions and thoughts. And I, when you kind of sit back and take in what the Marlins could have done differently in this spot, you know, not only... So if the Marlins are truly thinking... And, and the problem is we don't know what they're truly trying to do. So let's assume that they are trying to move Pablo or that they're listening. And actually, they've already told us they're listening on everyone. Kim Ang actually said that no one's untouchable. So they're listening on everyone. And that includes Sandy and Jazz. She did say, though, to back that up, though, she did say, but we have just extended Sandy Alcantara. And so with that, that likely gives you an insight into what we think about Sandy in the future. So anyway, nevertheless, no one is untouchable was what Kim put out there. If they are listening on Pablo, and what I did hear from Kim's presser was we've got too many arms, basically. We're going to need to move some arms and we need to improve this offense. That is, they weren't the words she's used, but that's effectively what she's saying. Which is fine. Pablo is the most valuable guy, perhaps. Um, and so Craig's point was, why why put Pablo out there in this spot when you could push him back a day or two, give it more time for the discourse to happen? What he feared was you're going to face a Mets lineup that is absolutely stacked. And next thing is you're going to end up getting blown up here. They've already blown Sandy up, kind of, on, on the Friday. So Sandy's even struggled going just five innings. All you do is push him back one day, and you've got the Reds line up again. You're back to the Reds for Pablo. We just struck 11 of them out earlier in the week. So that's the thinking. Protect your asset. Don't put him out there to fail. Now, all of a sudden, Craig's point is, if you're, if you're looking to add a guy and pay a top dollar for someone in the National League, let's say, let's say the Cardinals... Or the Dodgers are thinking about this now. And they're like, well, hold on a minute. Pablo's just being blown up by the Mets here. What happens if we face the Mets and we need Pablo to be the two in the, in you know in a seven-game series or whatever? You know, the confidence there starts to drain away a little bit because he's, you know, he's already shown he's a bit fallible there against those boys. Just and Craig's point again, keep them guessing. Don't don't create that situation where it's like, oh well, Pablo's been blown up. If if it would have been pushed back a day, no one would have ever known. And so I again, we don't know what they're thinking, but that when you sit back probably was the biggest surprise of the series. The fact that Pablo made that start, all they had to do bump him back. Um, I know they're struggling with pitches right now. In the, you know, we've obviously had Nick Nider up, Trevor Rogers in the IL, Eliezer's on the the COVID IL, so they're obviously kind of mixing and matching. But Lazardo's back up today. You could have maybe fast tracked Lazardo slightly, or even just bullpen gamed it on Sunday. I mean, really, the wins and losses that. The Marlins, this season's done. We know this is done. So take away that. 
Protect Pablo, if indeed, and actually protect yourselves. Give yourself the highest value to sell at. Now you've got this stinker of a start that's just happened, a career worst start maybe in some ways in terms of hits given up. Um, and now you expect to, you know, Kim to be out there trying to wheel and deal off the back of that. It's a tough backdrop to make a really stunning deal. So I don't know. Any further final thoughts on that one, uh, Sean? I think I already mentioned that I don't think uh, I see the Marlins trade him. Uh, yeah. and maybe that's why. Maybe that's at the heart of it, right? And I think that I think hopefully that is the case. I think that I just don't see getting two or three middling prospects for Pablo is going to help the Marlins in the long run. I think if we are trading him, you're trading him, you know, in almost a one for one, you know, either a major league uh, bat that's controllable or you know that high end um, bat. But I think we've seen the Yankees trade him for a starting pitcher, not giving up Volpe, one of their best prospects. I don't think teams are out there at the moment. There's too many starting pitching options. All these teams are in on three or four or five different guys. I think there's enough pitching out there for those competitive teams that they're not going to go out there and give up their best prospect. And, and for Pablo, I just don't see the reason why, if, if that's not available, you keep him. You trade him potentially in the off-season um, in, in, a, in a more sensible deal for the Marlins. But, you know, time will tell, I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do the final ads, and then I'll ask the, the two final bits here are the Kim presser. If there's anything else we need to mention, I think there was one or two other little sound bites. So we'll touch on that briefly, but also, you know, really getting looking at to the, the trade deadline itself. And from your perspective, Sean, what you think the Marlins will actually do. And so let's do that shortly. But before we do that, guys, uh, final ad, and it's our good, good friends over at Bet Online, of course, and uh, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They've got everything covered. MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, football. And what I mean by that is soccer. Yes, football. <laughs> They've got you in there too. Um, I'd be absolutely piling in on Liverpool to win the title after that um, Community Shield performance, no doubt about it. But anyway, Bet Online, they continue to be your top online resource for all your sports wagering information. Uh, it's from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They've even got podcasts, and they've got you covered. So use your mobile device to, to head over to Bet Online today. Learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sean, this Kim Ang presser, anything else that, that caught your eye in that one? Um, I did see a few clips. There were some questions about Avicel Garcia and Jorge Soler that were in there from, from Craig Mish again. He's been a busy boy this weekend. Uh, there were some questions around Pablo as well in there that we've kind of already touched on, but anything else kind of jump out at you on that one? I think one of the few things that did jump out to me was the the urgency of the questions, especially from Mish. You know, it felt like he pushed a little bit more than you, you usually see, especially mm -hmm. when you talk about GM. Uh, you know, demand, not demanding, but asking more sort of intentful questions um, mm. to try and get that answer. There's something you don't see with the American media all the time. It's a little bit more sort of, not soft, but it's a little bit more gentle and it's a little bit more professional. You know, in the UK, sometimes the media can be, you know, they can be pretty evil. But it was nice to see that maybe there was a little bit more urgency to try and get the questions answered try and get a little bit more of an honesty because Kim's great at her job in the sense of talking to the media. She knows what she wants to say and she's not going to say anything else. So sometimes 
you know, the idea of everyone's available. That's that's what you hear from all the GMs every year. You know, that is a you know that's the the, sta- the staple answer. So to see the media asking some more sort of intense questions was it was nice to see. To be fair, because I think. Yeah, there are Marlins fans out there that want those answers. They want to know what's going on with Avi and, and Soler. Well, not Soler, but so Avi. You know, what are we doing here? You know, mm. it, it was it was fun, it was interesting for me to see anyway. That is a very interesting point you bring up because not only was there a Kimang presser, there was also a, uh, a a spaces after the game. I wasn't in there live, but I went and listened back. It's funny. It was uh, Kevin Barral's spaces, but. Um, Craig misjoined, um, spoke about the presser itself, but it segued into some of these topics that you're talking about and around the way the reporting is done around the team. Um, I think the phrase that was used in terms of the line of questioning that, that you know the Marlins get on a, a daily basis is softball central, I think it was, something along those lines where and he's called, he called himself out to say, listen, I'm not there every day. And, you know, I just don't have the desire to be there. I've not been covering the team maybe as closely. Da, da, da. But nevertheless, I, had, I felt I had to be there to, to ask him the questions and wanted to get some stuff in there. So I think it's an interesting topic that you, that you raise there. Um, you know, Kim, like Mike Hill, they, never get, you know, they don't give anything away, right? That's, that's kind of the, one of these things. They're kind of pointless conversations in many ways these media sessions you kind of come away going well we, we don't know anything and we never did with Mike Hill one question on Mike Hill because it did pop up the other day and it got me thinking when we look back coming off the back of a uh, playoff appearance and a wild card series win so an NL uh, NLDS appearance against the Bravos for the fish in what was a fairy tale way and story with all the COVID situations Mike Hill somehow built a roster that managed to make the playoffs and progress in the playoffs was not extended. The Marlins at that point that we felt the most, it was a very, very critical phase in the organization there where we're starting to through the build now into the next phase. When you look back on that and you ask yourself, we, we didn't extend Mike Hill that had taken us to the next level, albeit in a shortened season, and then decided to, hire Kim Ang, a first-time GM, into that role. When you take away some of the names and faces and the people around that, it sounds a bit odd when you think about it. Like, that doesn't sound overly logical for the fish to have done that. And I I guess we probably did cover this in depth at the time, knowing us, Sean, um, on Fish Across the Pond back then. But when you kind of reflect on it, it does kind of left scratching your head thinking... It feels a bit of an odd decision at that point that Mike Hill wasn't extended and then he bring in a first-time GM in Kim Ang. Derek Jeter, I think, was clearly really running the show back then. And now Jeter's gone. Kim's left there, flapping in the wind a bit maybe. I don't know. It just it, I don't know. What's your thoughts now as you look back on that? But Mike Hill, obviously, was pretty much the only guy left over from the previous regime. You know, yeah. And you could argue that Almost that was because he had a, a couple of years on his contract, and they didn't really want to buy him out. I think that was the reason. I think. <laughs> I think in the end, he, you know, he showed his worth. You know, he's he's well respected in baseball, and, and ends up with a job, um, you know, with Major League Baseball. So he's, you know, he knows his stuff. He, he's well regarded. I think the second point that you made, as far as there, it didn't go Hill Ang. It went Hill Jeter Ang with like 
a lot of crossover between the three of them. So mm. I think, you know, I think Hill ultimately didn't go because of Aang, he went because of Jita. And then you could almost argue that Jita went because Aang showed herself to, to be a valuable asset and they wanted to hand the reins over to her. Yeah, I think she's, you know, by the very nature of the role, that any anything that happens poorly in the Marlins is going to be reflected on her and Mattingly uh, first. So I think, yeah, the way the season's gone, it's not gone ideally. There have been situations, as we've already mentioned earlier, that haven't gone the way that fans would like to it to happen. So yeah, she's going to get a little bit of, of um, you know, attacking. But I think it's still too early. I think it's still a case of, you know, I think, as you said, first time GM, but she's been around baseball. She knows her stuff. I think her resume, and we definitely did speak about this before, her resume is well-deserving of a GM role. Had she been a man, she would have been a GM five years ago, in my eyes. So the fact that it took that long for her to get the role, I think we do do need to take that foot off the gas a little bit and say, let's give her a chance, because there's a reason why she's been around baseball for so long. There's a reason why she's had these roles. I mean, she's got multiple World Series by being with various teams. So she knows the stuff. She's been around winning baseball. Let's give her that time. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I agree. It just it suddenly dawned on me when you kind of strip away the names, the faces, the genders involved. The Marlins ended up not extending Mike Hill that had just basically taken them to their best ever you know, regular season finish, perhaps, in, well, many, many years. And they don't extend him, and then they bring in someone that's never done that job specifically ever before. And that doesn't make a ton of sense on, on the face of it. But nevertheless, I've deviated away. You know, it happens on a Monday. I'm just buying time for a, for a massive trade to drop. And I have seen there's been a three-team trade that has dropped while we've been on, um, which was already kind of half-reported. Um, I did see Trey Mancini was being traded. Uh, the Astros uh, involved in that trade. Now it is, also seems that the uh, Tampa Bay Rays are also now in that trade. So it's a three-team trade. And I did put out there earlier on, I think last week, to say that I... I do believe that the Marlins almost need a three-team trade to actually do something proper, like to satisfy their needs uh, right now. So anyway, with that being said, Sean, um, we're 30 minutes in already, so I'll call that out as well. Where where do you think the Marlins actually land at this deadline? I, I, I don't, I'm not going to ask you for which player for which player or which team or anything like that, or, but you know, broadly, where, where do you think they actually end up by 11 p.m. our time tomorrow. Who's gone? Who's still here? And you got to love a UK-friendly trade deadline. That's You've got to love a UK-friendly, no doubt. Yeah, I'm with I, you. I'm, I'm probably going to get attacked here, and I'm probably going to be very wrong, but I could actually see the Marlins doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I don't see the Pablo trade. We've, we've gone into that. Yeah, BA with the injury, he probably would have been tradable. He probably would have been traded. Bertie, he's a, he's a potential chance of being traded. Obviously, he's out at the moment, but he's soon to come back. That speed, that versatility, you know, a playoff team's going to want that. But I think all through the minors, kind of, you know, that's a low figure for them to keep next year. Aggie, I don't think, has any value in a trade whatsoever, realistically. I think he is going to get non tendered, like I said earlier. One of the bullpen pieces, Bass, O'Kurt, you know, they have value, but they're not going to return you anything. That's you know gonna you know really make your eyes water. So why not keep him? Bass has been great. He's just had a second month 
of a sub one ERA and a sub one WHIP. He's been fantastic this year. He's on a low number next year. You know, I would keep him. I realistically, I don't see a trade out there that improves the team. We don't care about this year now, do we? I don't see a trade out there that improves the team for next year. I just, I just don't see it. I think it, mm. the trade that would make sense for the Marlins are in the off-season. As sad as that is, and, and exciting as that is, I just don't see a trade out there, out there that works. Yeah. Interesting. It, uh, I think this is where my head was at originally, like when I was thinking about just who the Marlins actually have to sell. Um, there's not that many that really fit the profile right now because they're either... Um, they're either overpaid vets, let's put them in that bracket, which sits in like an Avi and a Soler bracket. I do still think there's an outside chance that Soler goes back to the Braves. So wait and see, because the Braves, I think, are probably hoping for a reunion with Jock Peterson too. But the question there is like, where's the Giants' heads at? Are they, I mean, they're at 500, the Giants. So five, like we said, 500 ball going at the deadline, we should be buying. And actually, so you know, the Giants should be too, really, in, in my opinion. So... I'm not sure about whether Jock Peterson's available, but I could definitely see something there. But broadly, it's about, you know, Aggie, obvious. One or two of the relievers, obvious. I mean, let's think back to last year. Like, Curtis ended up getting dealt at one point. No one kind of expected that one. It was like, oh, Curtis, okay. Um, so I expect one or two of those kind of things to happen. But Pablo, I don't think will. I, I actually think the ultimate dream for the fish in this spot was to try and do a deal with the Yankees for Pablo. To be honest, I think that was the one. And now that's kind of that's now been blocked. The Yankees have dropped uh, the deal with Frankie Montas, um, and actually got a great deal by the looks of it. They you know haven't had to use any of their top three studs to get him done. Plus, um, Lou Trevino, I think, is part of that deal. So, you know, I think that kind of maybe ends the dream situation. Aram talked about on Friday that that probably would be the dream trade. Um, I could definitely see something happening with the Twins, though, like the Twins. That, actually, any of them central teams um, that are in the hunt, there's three of them, which, again, makes it interesting. But all three of them um, have problems with pitching. And so that could create opportunity. And who I'm talking about is the Guardians, the Twins, and the White Sox. All three of those, like, they need arms. Like, if they're legitimately going to push on, they do. So I'm not sure on the state of their farms. I know the Guardians is absolutely is stacked. Um, but, again, the Marlins' requirements so specific. They need Major League ready bats. The problem with these prospects, we've already seen it before. You know, we just don't know. We don't know. I and mean, you just can't move Pablo for a don't know. You can't. The Mar we just we cannot do that at this stage. You have to move Pablo if you are indeed going to do it for a we know. We know he's going to be good. So, like you, Sean, I think this could be quiet. I mean, we are literally 24 hours and 28 minutes away from the deadline. So... We'll wait and see. The Marlins have done nothing as of yet. Um, I think tomorrow's episode could be fun. I think it could even be a double episode day. We'll wait and see. I may do two. May do a pre and a post um, deadline one. We'll see how things kind of shape up for the fish. But yeah, I think it's going to be, I think my, most likely it's going to be quiet. Quieter than maybe we would have expected at one point. But I do think that the Marlins are sitting there in a very interesting position now that both Luis Castillo and Frank Frankie Montas have both gone. I do think the Marlins sit there interesting in their position. And so we'll wait and see. Any final thoughts, Sean, before we get out of here on Monday's episode? Um, if not, then we will wrap up. 
No, I'm just, it's just an interesting time of the year. I've, I've yeah. gone through so many years where you've gone from, are we competing, aren't we competing, to, oh, we're definitely not. Uh, and it's, it's a tough time of the year, these last two months. You know, the miners need to do a few things, bring up some of these prospects, you know, give us a reason to tune in every day. Um, because at the moment, you know, other than seeing Sandy hopefully go for the Cy Young, there's not many reasons to, to put the game on. Um, but Yeah. We're at that stage, aren't we? We're, yeah, you know, we, I think that's fair. Like that's the the vibe right now is like we're at that stage now where people's interest levels are really dropping away now from this team. Um, one other note that has just dropped: um, your boy Nicky Nider. Actually, he probably isn't your boy, but nevertheless, you said he had a good start. Nicky Nider has already been optioned um, back down to AAA, so I guess he won't be making the next start. Which then makes you think, who will be then? Because I'm not clear how the rotation shapes up, but obviously Lazardo is back up, um, but Trevor Rogers. Is down. Who's left in that rotation now? Sandy, Pablo, Braxton, L- uh, Lazardo, and then still one spot, right? It, it probably gives you an extra arm sending him down. You know, you have to bring up Lazardo, then they can just bring these guys up and down. Not that often, but there's a, you've got a few options, haven't they? As far as yeah, they have. Um, so it's about managing the, the arms. I don't think I think Nidal will probably start his next game at a major league level. Um, it's just a way, you know, it's it's creating 26 men on the roster that can contribute on that day, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, you know, what a story for Nicky Nider. Again, not to go off on a massive tangent, but, you know, was, you know, out of spring, DFA'd, no space for him. He's been terrible in AAA, like a 7 or 8 ERA. So he had to come up and give a nice start. I didn't see it in person. I had no eyeballs on it. So, you know, we'll wait and see what that means for him in the future. I did see that um, Jake Fishman as well was DFA'd earlier, so he lasts one day. So the Marlins all of a sudden rattling through arms, left, right, and center. Uh, Estadio's in um, DFA limbo. Uh, one other guy is too, Yacobonis. He's now on DFA limbo. So, yeah, the Marlins making a lot of roster moves, um, that's for sure, as they try and kind of phase these these arms back in. But that's us done, I think. I think that's a perfect ending point there <laughs> on DFA limbo's. Um, no moves for the Marlins thus far on Monday, the 1st of August, but Ma- Lockdown Marlins was here for you. Um, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, and we will be back tomorrow, potentially with multiple episodes. We'll wait and see what actually happens. Thank you to Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, joining me, as always, on a Monday now in a regular rotation spot. And guys, sit back, relax. Not relax, probably.